Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific program for you today, including special guest Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and my wife Linda will be joining us as well. It is June the 28th, and on this day in 1914, Archduke Franz Ferdinand of Austria and his wife Sophie were shot to death by a Bosnian Serb nationalist during an official visit to the Bosnian capital of Sarajevo. The killing sparked a chain of events that led to an outbreak of World War I, and by early August, on June 20, uh, 28, 1919, five years to the day after Franz Ferdinand's death, Germany and Allied powers signed the Treaty of Versailles, officially marking the end of World War I, the war to end all wars. The Archduke traveled to Sarajevo in June of 1914 to inspect the Imperial Armed Forces in Bosnia and Herzegovina, annexed by Austria-Hungary in 1908. The annexation had angered Serbian nationalists who believed the territory should be part of Serbia. A group of young nationalists hatched a plot to kill the Archduke during his visit to Sarajevo, and after some missteps, 19-year-old Gravilo Princep was able to shoot the royal couple at point-blank range while they traveled in their official procession, killing both instantly. The assassination set off a rapid chain of events as Austria-Hungary immediately blamed the Serbian government for the attack. A large and powerful Russian-supported Serbia, Austria had asked for assurances that Germany would step in on the side against Russia and its allies, including France and possibly Great Britain. On July the 28th, Austria-Hungary declared war on Serbia and the fragile peace between Europe's great powers collapsed, uh, beginning the devastating conflict now known as the First World War. After more than four years of bloodshed, the Great War ended in November the 11th, 1918, after Germany, the last of the Central Powers, surrendered to the Allies. At the peace conference in Paris in 1919, Allied leaders would state their desire to build a post-war world that was safe from future wars of such enormous scale. The Versailles Treaty, signed in July, June 28, 1919, tragically failed to achieve that objective. U.S. President Woodrow Wilson's grand dreams of an international peacekeeping organization faltered when uh, put into practice at the League of Nations. Even worse, the harsh terms imposed on Germany, the war's biggest loser, led to widespread resentment of the treaty and its authors in that country, a resentment that would culminate in the outbreak of the Second World War just two decades later. Unbelievable story. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front is a film that Lynn and I watched, and I highly recommend it. It was made in 1930, I believe, and uh, certainly worth uh, watching to see what happened in the trenches during the First World War. Yesterday, more than 40 migrants were found dead inside a tractor-trailer in San Antonio. Sixteen people were also found alive at the scene and taken to nearby hospitals. It appears to be the deadliest migrant tragedy in recent years. Officials believe that part of the smuggling attempt that there had been a surge of migrants crossing into U.S.-Mexico border in recent months. Officials also are looking into whether heat played a role in the deaths, as they, of course, the temperatures have been reaching 100 degrees in San Antonio. Really sad, uh, you know, the uh, collateral damage, if you will, of this illegal smuggling ring and what's happening at the border. Just so many things. There's so many victims of this whole entire process. The fentanyl illegal immigration, and now uh, 40 migrants dead. More than 40, actually, now. The count is up. Yesterday, a Russian missile strike hit a crowded shopping mall in the central uh, city of Kremenchuk. At least 16 people were killed and more than 40 others injured, a number that could rise since more than 1,000 people were in the mall. When the rocket hit, President Zelensky said the number of potential victims is uh, impossible to imagine. Sad state of affairs still in uh, in uh, Bosnia, or, excuse me, in uh, in that, that country. So the Supreme Court handed down a big win for former Washington high school football coach who lost his job over reciting a prayer on the 50-yard line after games. 
At issue was whether a public school employee praying alone but in view of students was engaging in unprotected government speech, and if it's not government speech, does it still pose a problem under the First Amendment's Establishment Clause? The Supreme Court ruled Monday that the answer to both questions is no. Here's a government entity sought to punish an individual for engaging in a brief, quiet, personal religious observance doubly protected by the free exercise and free speech clauses of the First Amendment. And the only meaningful justification the government offered for its reprisal rested on the mistaken view that it had a duty to ferret out and suppress, just as Neil Gorsuch wrote in the court's opinion, religious observances, even as it allows comparable secular speech, the Constitution neither mandates nor tolerates this kind of discrimination. Joe Kennedy was a junior uh, varsity head coach and varsity assistant coach with the Bremerton School District in Washington from 2008 to 15. He began the practice of reciting a post-game prayer by himself, but eventually students started joining him. According to the court documents, this evolved into a motivational speeches that included religious themes. After an opposing coach brought it to the principal's attention, the school district told Kennedy to stop. He did temporarily and then notified the school that he would resume that practice. The situation garnered media attention, and when Kennedy announced that he would be going back to pray on the field, it raised security concerns. When he did pray after a game, a number of people stormed the field in support. The school district then offered Kennedy to let Kennedy pray in other locations before and after games, or let him to pray on a 50-yard line after everyone else left the premises. But he refused, insisting that he would continue his regular practice. After continuing the prayers at two more games, the school district placed Kennedy on leave. Joseph Kennedy's departure as assistant coach at Bremerton High School in 2015 made headlines nationwide. During oral arguments, Justice Clarence Thomas questioned how the prayer could be viewed as government speech, given the school's district's vehement and public opposition to prayer. (laughs) Good question, Clarence Thomas. Kennedy's attorney, Paul Clement, argued before the court that firing him was a clear constitutional violation because not only was Kennedy engaged in private, not government speech, but that the school was taking action precisely because the speech is religious. Justice Elena Kagan expressed concern during the arguments that, that a coach who determined players' playing time and Kennedy's prayer could not have a, could have a coercive effect on the students. Indeed, a lower court opinion noted the principal had contract, contacted parents by a, a parent who said his son felt compelled to participate in the prayer despite being an atheist because he felt he wouldn't get to play as much if he didn't participate. Clement rejected the argument, stating that the school district never raised this issue as a reason for disciplining Kennedy. Another big win from the conservative side, and for all of us, doesn't matter if you're conservative or liberal, uh, free speech should uh, be allowed. And uh, this is going to be followed up uh, in another case that we're going to talk about in just a moment. Uh, It's just a a real victory for uh, free speech and the First Amendment. The New York Supreme Court has struck down a New York City law passed on by Democrats later last year that sought to give municipal voting rights to nearly a million foreign nationals. Can you believe that? Well, Democrats on the 51-member New York City Council approved a plan last month that allowed more than 800,000 uh, foreign nationals with green cards, visas, and work permits the opportunity to vote in a citywide election so long as they resided in the city for at least 30 consecutive days. Real high benchmark for that one, huh? Subsequently, black Americans in New York City, along with the naturalized American citizens, the New York State Republican Party, the Republican National Committee, and Democrat officials like Councilman Robert Holden, sued Mayor Eric Adams and the city's Board of Elections. The lawsuit noted that the New York State Constitution expressly states that voting rights have are a privilege reserved for American citizens. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's in the face of the Constitution of New York. In its decision on Monday, the court ruled that the law is illegal, null, and void because it is clear that voting in, is a right granted to citizens of the United States, writing, Local governments, including city governments, must be elected by the people, which is defined as citizens under Article 2. Based on the foregoing analysis, the court finds that the municipal voting law explicitly violates the New York State Constitution, as only citizens may vote in the elections. While the court need not look to a legislative intent on this section to know that there's no carve-out for non-citizens to vote under election law, this section applies to any election within New York State, the court's granting a permanent injunction will ensure that the New York City law is thrown out and the New Board of Elections cannot register foreign nationals to vote. 
The law was set to uh, massively influence local elections while diluting the voting of American citizens in the city. Last year, for example, Mayor-elect Eric Adams won the Democrat mayor uh, primary by less than 7,200 votes. So, again, more justice. Great to see. Lots of wins here uh, going on uh, for constitutional government. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas signaled his willingness on Monday to undo the 1964 ruling that made it difficult to sue media outlets for libel. The conservative justice, who has just one of five votes to overturn the landmark abortion, Roe v. Wade on Friday, issued a dissenting opinion after the court refused to hear a case brought by a Christian group that sued the Southern Poverty uh, Law Center. Uh, Coral Ridge Ministries Media filed a lawsuit that the SPLC, the Southern Poverty Law Center, a left-leaning watchdog, uh, after it labeled the Christian organization a hate group. The lawsuit sought to upend the precedent established by New York Times' Risa Sullivan, the 1964 court case which set a high bar for public officials to sue for defamation. I would grant uh, in this case to revisit the actual malice standard Thomas wrote in his dissent. This case is one of many showing how New York Times and its progeny have allowed media organizations and interest groups to cast false dispersions on public figures with near impunity. Thomas wrote, SPLC's hate group designation lumped Coral Ridge's Christian ministry with groups like the Ku Klux Klan and the neo-Nazis. Thomas issued a dissent on Monday after the high court declined to hear a case brought by the Christian organization that was labeled a hate group by the left-leading Southern Law Center. So uh, the justice continued, nonetheless, unable to satisfy that almost impossible actual malice standard the course has imposed, Coral Ridge could not hold SPLC in account for what it maintains as a blatant falsehood. Another conservative justice, Neil Gorsuch, concurred with Thomas's view that the New York Times v. Sullivan should be revisited. The Supreme Court decided uh, Sullivan in 1964 after a federal district court in Alabama found the civil rights organization's ad in the New York Times had damaged the reputation of an Alabama sheriff who was identified by implication in the ad. Sullivan uh, a higher standard for public officials and public figures to prove defamation of character. Well, at any rate, last year Thomas called on t- uh, colleagues at the bench to review the actual malice standard after the court refused to take up the case, the son of the former prime minister of Albania sued an author and watchdog and publisher of a book that served as a basis for War Dogs, which tells the story about international arms dealers. In any event, uh, we're seeing now that uh, the, if it's going to be reconsidered, this is good news because, right, quite frankly, there's a lot of slander going on in papers. There seems to be very little accountability. I certainly support Justice Thomas's view on this. <clears throat> Should be interesting to see how this all plays out. Anyhow, lots of wins for the conservatives and for the Constitution. This is a good thing. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time.
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. Among other things, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us our state senator, in fact, uh, soon to be president of the Senate in the state of Florida, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. So much going on. I think I'd like to start off with the whole question about uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned by the Supreme Court. Now, I know you're out on the, you know, on the trail <laughs> visiting with uh, voters and uh, about the next election. What kind of uh, response are you hearing to, uh, to, to that decision? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Florida is uh, very different than a lot of other states. Uh, so uh, we recently passed a, a bill that, would, um, that provided no abortions after 15 weeks, mm-hmm. period, except to save the life of the mother. No ex- exceptions for rape, incest. Um, uh, and we felt that the 15 weeks was appropriate because most abortions are performed actually within the first 12 weeks. And um, so that uh, that law was immediately challenged under uh, something that Florida has that other states don't have. In our Constitution, there is a provision that guarantees a right of privacy. So um, the many groups, Pam, Planned Parenthood and others, uh, cha- have filed a challenge to that law saying that we're invading women's privacy. Now, the thing, I mean, I, I kind of think I understand that. So we may have to go back in and actually ban the, uh, the, the, the practice or whatever. But that being said, until the Supreme Court weighs in on that, on that challenge, it almost doesn't make sense for Florida to do anything else. Mm-hmm. We don't have a, a trigger uh, law like uh, other states do. And so, you know, we're kind of um, in, a, in a little bit of a limbo as to what to do. I, I think there will be a number of bills filed this session uh, that we're going to have to uh, consider from outright banning abortions to uh, changing the, the time frame to lesser number of weeks and uh, and those kind of things. Yeah. So uh, it's it's just so interesting. I, the governor seemed to signal. I think he wanted to, he was very pleased with the Roe v. Wade decision and also signaled, I think, that he would like to see our uh, laws here in Florida get even more strict when it comes to abortion. Any thoughts on that? I, I think that's the... Um, that is a common feeling among uh, our conservatives uh, that we're even with 15 weeks that may be still too lenient. The um, the challenge is, of course, what will the court say with our constitutional uh, protection of privacy? So I don't know how that's going to impact, and, and I think that's why uh, the governor hasn't called for us to do something because we really have to wait and see what happens with that challenge. Um, I'm hopeful that uh, that our court will say this does not violate the privacy. And although there have been some cases in the past that said it did, so 
we'll see how that goes. It's going to be a very interesting uh, year for uh, uh, constitutional challenges. I must say, I'm, I'm very proud of our Supreme Court justices and the decisions they're making. They also the decision yesterday about the football coach uh, praying on the field. Uh, right. I, I, it's just, uh, uh, and then of course the New York Supreme Court overturning the right of. Uh, non-citizens to be able to vote in the local elections while it doesn't affect us. I think it's great to see all, all of a sudden that good decisions are being made by the judicial uh, uh, areas. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, and, I, and I think, um, you know, I was, I was very interested in the, uh, the, the Supreme Court's overturning the New York law on, um, on gun carrying and you know, it's the right decision. Right. You can't condition. I mean, they're treating New Yorkers basically saying their law was in order to carry a gun, you had to prove you needed for self-defense. And that's, that didn't make any sense. Um, so I think we're going to have to, we're going to grapple with uh, constitutional carry this year. Um, I, I have my members in, in the Senate are all over the place on that, uh, as, is, as is our constituents. So we're going to see how that's going to pan out as well. Absolutely. So it's created some turmoil, but just out of curiosity, I mean, uh, are, what kind of feedback are you getting uh, with regard to Roe v. Wade or at these decisions? The the uh, Democrats want to make this the voting issue in 22, uh, 22 midterm elections. Do you think it's going to have that impact? I, I don't think so. Uh, I Honestly, if, if our economy gets worse and our gas prices continue to remain high, Inflation remains high. Uh, you know, in fact, I think people haven't even uh, come to realize the the, the the position we're in. People are still spending money, and I think one day, probably around the time of the election, people are going to wake up and say, "Oh my God!" And I think that's going to be the the defining moment. Also, you know, we are just registering uh, Democrats are um, are registering Republican in, in, in droves. So. You know the policies, Biden's policies, are 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 negatively impacting everybody. That is so interesting. Now, of course, in Wyoming, uh, right now, uh, what's her name? <laughs> I forgot her name now. But uh, she's uh, she's uh, wanting uh, Democrats to uh, sw switch over and vote. Uh, to uh, vote uh, in the uh, uh, Republican primaries and and vote against her opponent. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's a tactic. I think that when you have an open summer, that is tactic. Both sides use it, by the way. Yeah, I know. So do you think that's a part of the motivation, or do you think sincerely people are changing over to the Republican Party because they prefer the platform? I don't know. I, you know, I don't, I don't think the, the great number of voters are that strategic. I think they're just making a statement. Um, I think the statement is... I don't always agree with the Republican Party's um, policies, uh, but fiscally, I, you know, I can't, I can't, you know, that's, that gets to be the most important thing. Because if you can't, you can't live, uh, yeah. you can't live uh, in a community, you can't afford to live, you can't afford to buy gas, you can't afford groceries, you can't afford milk, you can't. Uh, all the other things go out the window. Yeah, good good point. Kathleen Pasadena, again, our state senator. I just genuinely appreciate your time here on the show, Kathleen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo up in Madison, Wisconsin. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. 
don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain, improve your quality of life, see for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo, how are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, these are tumultuous times. Now we've got Roe versus Wade on top of all the other issues. But I have to say that uh, Lauren and I had dinner uh, last Friday night, not knowing that there was going to be a massive demonstration right in front of us. Yeah. So at dinner, we're sitting outside and we had a front row seat to watching probably 4,000 demonstrators come and give talks, you know, yell, scream, shout, beat the breath um, about the Roe versus Wade decision. Uh-huh. There were a lot of cops down there, but they stood on the sides. They didn't interfere. They were just sort of a presence, but a very low-key presence. And it went on for hours. But this is what my takeaway is. America works. Yeah, It was so awesome to see all these people feeling so passionately, you know, one way or another. They all voiced their opinions. They were screaming. You know, they were unhappy. Some were, some weren't. Nobody was killed. Nobody was shot out. No shot at. There was no property damage. And I walked away thinking, you know, this is an awesome country. It really is when, when the, the, with the lack of violence. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Now, were there demonstrators there that were pro-life that were celebrating the decision, or was it mainly those that uh, supported abortion? Uh, not many pro-life. Yeah. It was If they were, they were very low-key. I would say 99% uh, supported abortion. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think the, the right to free speech... You know, we just had this decision by the Supreme Court supporting the uh, the coach who uh, wanted to uh, say a prayer after each game at the 50-yard line. And uh, the Supreme Court said, hey, he has a right to do that. And it's not a violation of free speech or, you know, uh, government speech, whatever it might be. You know, that, along with what you're just saying, I think just this is what makes America great is the opportunity to express yourself. You know, in some countries, you just can't do that. No, no, of course you can't. I mean, it, we should be so grateful. I mean, we, by our birthright, every single one of us won the lottery Absolutely. by living here. And, you know, this isn't going to happen in Saudi Arabia or any Middle Eastern country. And I just I just walked away and I thought, you know what? It was great. Everybody vented. They got their feelings out. They um, felt that everybody felt to some degree that they were heard. But I, I particularly like that nobody was trying to burn down a business or destroy a business or throw rocks at it. Right. Like when we had Black Lives Matter. Yeah. That was so destructive. And did it further the cause? Absolutely no. not. Such an interesting comment. It's uh, 4,000. That's 
hand, on the other hand, it's right near the University of Wisconsin, if I'm not mistaken. You would expect uh, the way that the politicians were talking, there'd be millions of out protesting about this thing. But I think uh, the protests and the uh, demonstrations were somewhat muted in terms of the number across the country. Uh, yeah, I can't speak for that. You know, it's during summer, so you don't have 42,000 people. Oh, good point. Here. Good point. You know, it's much lower. But I would have to say that there were a lot of students. You yeah. know, there were a lot of people, not students, but I would say the majority were, were really younger people. Hey, heck, our age, everybody looks younger, you know? Absolutely. Now, I understand that you've just uh, you found a survey that suggested that some people just aren't proud of America. Well, they think 60% of Americans, now that's a lot, say that the U.S. is less respected by other countries than in the past. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, during Trump's era, everybody thought that America was far more respected, and that may have to do with Trump saying America first and, you know, kind of spreading that positive word. But not only do a lot of people say the U.S. is less respected, they think that this is a major problem. What do you think? I happen to agree with that. I, I think America is less respected right now. And I'll just uh, point out the Afghanistan debacle and what happened there. I think that kind of lowered our uh, respect uh, internationally um, among uh, our friends and our enemies, quite frankly. So uh, it just looked like it was a bumbled, totally mismanaged situation. And then, uh, you know, the uh, meeting of the Americas, uh, get-together that was held just recently in California, I believe it was, and uh, <laughs> nobody wanted to come. The uh, presidents of other countries just decided to blow it off. And so they were making frantic phone calls at the end trying to get people to come to this to this thing. So uh, I'm not sure that people, I think they respect America. I don't think they respect the leadership as much as they used to. What are your yeah, thoughts? I, yeah, I, I totally agree. And it, it seems like, and you know, it seems like when, when you live here, everything seems so chaotic right now. And I sort of feel like we're a rudderless ship. I mean, look at the border. It's, how many migrants were just uh, killed last night, yeah. discovered dead, and nothing has been done with that. I think they think that if they don't deal with it, it, it the Americans will forget about it. Not happening. It just seems like there's such, I feel like a, we're a kind of a, like a rudderless ship, and there's just so, it just seems kind of catastrophic. We go from one catastrophic issue to the next. It's true. Now, do other countries perceive that the same way? It's hard to know. It is hard to know. I will say this. I'm not sure that some of this stuff is just uh, foolishness and, and uh, acting stupid. I think it's intentional, this whole notion of uh, getting rid of uh, carbon-based fuel and uh, the whole notion of an open border. I think these things that are being... Uh, protected by the way they speak about it, but nevertheless, it's intentional. I think they totally intend to do what they're doing right now, uh, which I think is leading, in my opinion, to the destruction of the country. Yeah, it's, well, you hope not. Yeah. Uh, I hate to be a De Debbie Downer, but I, I think that people are, are, you know, you almost feel like a ping pong ball, you know, where you're just getting ricocheted all over with, COVID and, and uh, you know, the blowback from all of that and how, you know, life is really changing dramatically, especially in the workforce. It's hard to wrap your mind around all of the big changes. It is. I will point out there's a book that was written. It's called The Bodies of Others by Naomi Wolf. It's a terrific read. I just finished it last week. An unbelievable book about her reflections on the uh, on the uh, pandemic and uh, what happened and uh, the, the reduction in, in our personal freedoms as a, as a result, just highly recommended to anybody because, you, you know, this theme of the, our conversation has been American freedoms, the opportunity to express oneself. Well, uh, Naomi Wolf points out how we actually lost our freedoms and hopefully not, uh, hopefully this is a temporary situation, but it's a really great read. Naomi Wolf, the bodies of others, uh, 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 boo. Well, I just finished reading a book called The Palace Papers, and it's all about the inside gossip about the royal family. Ah. It's awesome. If you like gossip and sort of salacious gossip, this is the book for you. <laughs> that sounds good. 
Yeah, Boo Mortensen again. Uh, just generally appreciate you in Madison, Wisconsin. Really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Uh, all right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Uh, we're going to do uh, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Where it's, uh, we're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Seaton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seaton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seaton. Tell us about Less Government. You know, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and it's growing everywhere. Yes, it like, certainly is. Like mushrooms. Uh, but yeah. you've got a noble cause, so keep it up, Seton. <laughs> so you've written this column, uh, Patent-Stealing China and Big Tech are the biggest beneficiaries of D.C.'s patent reform. This is a scary story. It's uh, very unsettling. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, the, the, last week, the uh, House and the Senate each had a, a hearing on, it's 10 years since they enacted the American Invention the mention of the U.S. patent system. The patent system worked amazingly well for 150 years, uh, unfettered uh, by D.C. It, it was set up to succeed. It was set up to allow inventors to patent their inventions and then bring them to market, and that's how the economy functioned for a century and a half. Well, they D.C. was bought and paid for by patent thieves by 2011, so they passed it. It was enacted, and uh, it, it totally rewrote the entire system. Uh, one side, one thing that was not in, uh, insignificant was they went from first to invent to first to file. Mm -hmm. So a big company could have a bunch of lawyers waiting and watch someone else invent something, and then they'd file first for the patent because they could do it faster because they had, you know, Google has 9 million lawyers if they want, and they could just steal the patent out from under. But that wasn't even the most damaging thing. The most damaging thing is what's called the Patent Trial and Appeal Board, PTAB. And what that did, <coughs> it, it, it turned the patent office uh, 
from not just issuing patents to then destroying the patents they issue. And it's completely absurd. First of all, it's unconstitutional. The Supreme Court ruled it's unconstitutional. But then the Supreme Court bizarrely offered another un- unconstitutional alternative to what's going on. Yeah, it's, un- it's unconstitutional because it's the executive branch, the patent office, holding judicial hearings, which is the judicial branch's pur- purview, not the executive branch's. The whole concept is unconstitutional. Right. Uh, the, the Supreme Court bizarrely ruled that, oh, yes, it is unconstitutional. But if you have a elected official of the executive or if you have a Senate appointed official in the executive branch review the rulings, it's OK. No, that official still in the executive branch. Right. That means it's still unconstitutional. You clowns. So it's gowns. So here, here's right. here's the thing. One thing that really caught my eye is so what's happened to the number of patents uh, that, that have been issued since that time, and, and only well, the, the the number of patents that have been reviewed by PTAB <coughs> and re, and left completely alone is four percent. Wow! Only four percent. Now, uh, again, there have been some, there were some bad patents issued, but that's not the fault that you know. This is like gun control. I just thought of it. This is like gun control. Mm-hmm. Some people use bad uh, or, or use guns badly. Right, and you're you, you respond. You know, some people shoot some people at Chicago and Baltimore. The response is to take guns away from people in Wyoming. No, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. Likewise, you're because the patent office issued some bad patents, which was an institutional internal problem that they fixed long ago. They're undermining every single patent that ever exi- that ever gets issued. Uh, you, you know, you, you tune up the uh, patent approval process, which they did, which they did, and that solves the problem. But that this, they use that as the rubric to undermine the entire patent office. Now, the alleged point of PTAB was to allow small guy inventors to protect their patents less expensively than going to court. Mm-hmm. Well, f- first of all, the, the, these things are simultaneously filed in the PTAB and the court. So it didn't become an alternative. It became an, an addition to. Mm. Second of all, the the leading filers of patent or patent challenges with PTAB aren't little guy inventors. They, the the big tech thieves have stood it on its head. They see a patent they want to use. Rather than pay for the patent, they file at PTAB hmm. as a, as a pre, as sort of a preemptive challenge. The number one challenger of patents at uh, PTAB is not some some little inventor or some amalgamation of little inventors. I'm trying to remember because I don't have it in front of me. I think it's Apple. Isn't it Apple? Yeah, I believe so. This is it's very disturbing. Now, uh, again, you said that the Supreme Court has done away with uh, saying basically this is unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. Well, no, no, they didn't do away with it at all. That's the whole point. Well, they, they ruled. The- they ruled it unconstitutional, but then allowed it to stay in place. Right, right. So, well, what's going to happen? I mean, this is obviously it's wrong, and it's it's producing bad well, results. They're, they're unfortunately <laughs> stealing patents is, is is a bipartisan objective, bipartisan objective in D.C. Yeah, you've got awful Republican senators like Tom Tillis and John Cornyn. Boy, his name keeps coming up, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, in problematic fashion. Um, I, I objected to him in 2000. I was living in Texas in Austin in 2002 when he ran from, he was AG, Attorney General, and he ran for Senator for the first time. I said, he's a moron. No, I, I, uh, Texas could do a lot better than him. Um, but anyway, um, it's bipartisan. Now, now they're talking about PTAB reform. And, and, and they're having these hearings. The Senate had the hearings to commemorate the 10th anniversary of, a, of the American Defense Act and basically pat themselves on the back. At least, you know, to his credit, uh, Guam tip over, tip over, and capsize uh, Hank Johnson had a hearing <laughs> where, where he had he was he's a, he's the subcommittee chairman, and he had a hearing with witnesses from both sides talking about how good it, you know you had representatives of big tech companies going, oh, PTAP's great, PTAP's yeah, fantastic, yeah, yeah. and then you had little inventors come in and go, uh, yeah, we're getting ripped off by this thing. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable, Seton. So, it's just, it's, uh, is there any chance that this uh, is going to be overturned? If I guess it's going to take some legislation. Wow, it's you have to you have to basically pass legislation to undo the legislation, and um, 
you know, like I said, the portions that are unconstitutional were ruled unconstitutional. You would hope that would be the end of it, but of course it wasn't. Um, you, the, uh, Thomas Massey is a, an inventor and a congressman from Kentucky, and he, lo- he, has a, he put a bill years ago to completely, you know, dismantle the PTAB. Uh, he gets it. He, it was funny at the, at the congressional hearing, every Republican, I'd like to cede my five minutes to the gentleman from Kentucky. They all gave their time to Massey because he knows the issue so well. He, has a bunch, he holds a bunch of patents and, and knows how completely awful the bill is and this PTAB is. Yeah. So there, there, there are some smoldering embers uh, in Congress to undo this. But unfortunately, all the money's on the let's steal patents side yeah this is a big deal and i just don't for our listeners benefit to me uh having the the part of the patent office is a part of the constitution uh, that was the foresight of these uh, fa- of our founding fathers to support this and if, it's one of the reasons yep. that we have so much innovation here in the united states these uh ptab uh courts are dampening the enthusiasm of inventors because they stand to lose the the profits from their inventions by these big companies and, that steal and them one of the, and- one of the points that came up during the House hearing was the precipitous drop-off of investment in, in innovation and research and development because of the removal of the opportunity to possibly make the money back on the other end of the at the other end of the line. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I just encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden, my wife. Uh, see what's still in her mind. She has always got, uh, she writes greetings from paradise. She hasn't uh, done that in quite a while. But uh, she certainly is very active on uh, social media and uh, comes up with some great stories. So we'll look forward to find out what she's thinking about that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, building a 44,000 square foot performing arts center in downtown Naples, but also bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. And you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Linda Harden, proud that she's my wife, and also the fact that uh, she writes Greetings from Paradise. Hasn't done that in a while, but certainly stays up to date with what's going. Hey, I understand uh, you you got a, another 
maybe your fifth or sixth suspension from Twitter? Well, it's my, no, Fa- no, my, I'm banned from Twitter for life unless Elon Musk <laughs> comes back and, and releases me. Um, but I've been put in Facebook jail for I don't know how many times, but this is my longest um, stint in Facebook jail. <laughs> so they, um, they It's kind they, of a badge of honor, in my opinion. So they originally um, put me in jail for three days, and then they decided we'd better take a closer look at the stuff she's posting. So then they looked back on it, and then they said, not only did you disagree with our finding, which because we are all-powerful and all-knowing, but we found some other stuff we didn't like, so you're, you're in jail for six days. So uh, I think it might be edifying for our listeners because not everybody's on social media, but what is it that they objected to that you wrote about? The truth. <laughs> of course. Well, it probably has something to do with uh, the, the uh, vaccine and with the uh, politics. Well, and... it's, 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 it has to do with the findings of, of these Pfizer documents. Yeah. And, and the, the, uh, the horrible things that these vaccines are causing. Yeah. Um, the adverse effects and about the babies and all this stuff. They don't like that yeah, because they're involved in it and they don't want people talking about how they're involved in it. I mean, I've, I've, I'm just testing them. Facebook used to be fun because it was a way to connect with people you haven't seen for a long time. Now it's become a political well, I, I would suggest it's also becoming an echo chamber because if they're muffling the voices of people like you, that means that you got liberals just in there talking to each other and uh, support. Just like Twitter. Yeah, That's just what like Twitter. Is. Just like Twitter, indeed. But but, but but it's so but it's so interesting because um, you know I have I am on other social media, and I have connections with my Facebook friends in other ways. So what I've been doing is okay. They won't allow me to post this, so I send it to other people and say, "Will you post this?" Because they don't care if they get booted off Facebook either. Yeah. So, so the Facebook, I, my, my firm belief is that the Facebook fact checkers are running around with their hair on fire all the time because people are posting stuff they don't like all the time, and they can't, they can't put enough people in jail. Soon they're going to just have... Yeah, it's, uh, so it's, yeah, it's out of curiosity of all the social media companies, is there one that you have as a favorite, or which ones do you like? You know, I really like, I, I really like all of them for different reasons. Um, uh, Telegram is quite frankly where I get all my news mm-hmm. um, but they've got a lot of bots coming in trying to um, pretend they're, they're genuine people and they're not mm-hmm. so bots are invading a Telegram but you just have to learn how to navigate but Getter is really good because they have a very good streaming um, uh, what am I trying to say a, a streaming option where you can where you can like you can get Steve Bannon show on Getter. Mm-hmm. You can get all these streaming options, which is really good. But Truth Social is really um, blazing trails. They're like I think I've told you before. Um, I've been banned from Twitter for life, and there are a lot of other really good people who have also been banned from Twitter for life. And so now we're all finding each other on Truth Social, so yeah. we're able to to Tr- get really good. Um, information from each other on, on yeah if you're social. not a social media type uh, you should know the truth social is the uh is the site that uh president trump has founded and started now with the help of uh well devin nunes is the ceo now of it but but uh truth social is the only social media that that the trumpster will post on which is so cool yeah speaking of which i mean i think that trump's legacy now with the supreme court justice appointments and to take a look at some of the decisions that are being made right now you can understand the impact of what he's done and how important it is because some of these decisions that are coming down are putting a smile on my face well can you imagine the poor democrats with let's see the gun uh ruling last thursday yeah Roe v. Wade, and let's just let's just touch on Roe v. Wade for just a second, in uh-huh. case people haven't heard it enough. People are melting down, thinking, "Oh my goodness, Roe, they have taken away the constitutional right of women to get an abortion." Abortion was never in the Constitution, never, ever, ever. Right, and the, and these people are so deaf, dumb, and blind that they don't even bother to find out the facts before they misrepresent what what happened there. And then then the the um, the ruling that came down Monday where this this coach that was uh, kneeling on the field uh, praying and and the the left is so afraid of God of religion of prayer that they just 
went full tilt on this guy, had him fired, um, banned from ever uh, being a coach ever again. And this guy so trusted in God and in, and in what he um, believed that he took it to the Supreme Court and won. Yep. And not only did the Supreme Court say he had every right to pray on this uh, 50-yard line of the, of the um, field, but the school was so wrong in doing it that they owe, they owe him all back pay and everything else, <laughs> which is like a... a it's like seven years of income. Oh, my goodness. It's just a lot of money. Well, I'm very happy for him, very happy for all of us, because I think there's an important decision. One of the Supreme Court justices, was it Cagle? I'm not certain which one, uh, said that he has no right to pray on the 50-yard line. He is, it doesn't have free, free speech because he's employed by a... Uh, you know, you just, just go uh, go read the First Amendment. Uh, I mean, no. she, he's she's a constitutional. She she's supposed to be a constitutional expert. It's just like this bimbo story, who who they voted on for the Supreme Court, where they can't define she can't define what a woman is. These people are nuts, and they're stupid, and they've been in power too long, and they need to go. Well, have you, rec- do you realize uh, how quickly people have been able to understand what a woman is is uh, based on Roe v. Wade? It's all of a sudden. <laughs> the, the hypocrisy is just shouting out loud. I mean, yeah. it's just so, so, there's so much evil in this world, and, and thank God for, by the way, did you ever, did you know that Clarence Thomas used to be a Marxist? I had no idea. He, was, he used to be a Marxist, and um, uh, with the help of his wife, Ginny, he found God, and it turned his, he became a Christian, and it turned all his, all his way of thinking around. Parenthetically, all of a sudden now it's Thomas's court. I know, <laughs> and and now he's vilified unbelievably. And here's here's a black man who's uh, uh, a justice, associate justice in the Supreme Court. He's being vilified by the left because he doesn't think the way they do. Oh, it, it's just so funny. And and here's here's the here's the really interesting thing that happened within the last since Roe v. Wade. You know, this Liz Cheney is all. For this January sixth thing, was which is turning out to be a debacle, yeah, times ten. But she's all about getting Trump and whatever. Here, Trump's court, Thomas's court, Trump's appointees overturned Roe v. Wade. She's she's all for life. She's pro life, and now she said, "Oh, I'm I'm total in agreement." The, and now the the Democrats who who were kissing and hugging her and her father, the uh, neocon Dick Cheney. All of a sudden, they're turning on her, going, "Wait, what? You can't do that." She has no friends. No, <laughs> she no. Has. And I don't know if I don't. I don't. You didn't watch the last couple because um, you were watching baseball, or whatever. And I was watching uh, Trump's rallies in the background. But when he was in Wyoming, this Harriet Hageman, who's running against Liz Cheney, if I can find it for you, I'll send it to you. But she gave the most amazing yeah. speech. At, at Trump's rally, because Trump went to Wyoming to, to, you know, to it was for her benefit. This woman is an attorney. She, you know, anyone by the name of Harriet Hageman, you think she was a little librarian or school teacher or whatever. This woman rocked the house. We are tired of getting our First Amendment rights. We are tired of this. We are tired. She revved up that crowd into a frenzy. Hey, I, I, before I let you go and before we uh, close the show, i got to make mention of the uh, candidate for governor, in Arizona, I believe it is, uh, who made the comments to Brett Baer, the interview with Brett Baer. Oh, oh, that was just yeah. Brett Baer, who is Mr. I'm the best of all time. I'm Mr. Ego. I'm, you know, whatever. Kyrie Lake took him to the woodshed. Yeah, she Big did. Big time. <laughs> it was... And say, how dare you not ask me the important... You know, you didn't ask my opponent, opponent, opponent any tough questions yeah. about what she's doing. And you have the audacity to ask me about a drag queen coming into my house? Yes. How <laughs> dare you? I, 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 she I is a winner. I just really hope she wins the election because she is absolutely so articulate and so smart and uh, really an outstanding... Champion of making America you know, great again. You know what the what the mis- one of the mistakes that that um, Brett Bear made. She, he said, "Well, the Republicans don't believe." Oh, by the way, Carrie Lake called Joe Biden an illegitimate president yeah, right, right on Fox uh, News, yeah. and it was glorious. 
wish we could consider can I continue this conversation. We'll have to wait until next week. But I just generally appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thanks for joining us. Welcome. All right. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll uh, join us tomorrow. We'll visit with Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute, and Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>